Good morning, it's nine o'clock. I'm Donna Marie Lever. In breaking news, multiple people have died in a crash on State Highway 1 south of Picton. That was News Talk ZB News at nine last Sunday morning, and the details that came in through the day only made it sound worse. This was the news at noon. It's midday, I'm Sandy Hodge. Police have confirmed seven people have died in this morning's horror head-on crash south of Picton. The crash between a van and a truck happened around 7.30 this morning on State Highway 1. Joey Dwyer reports. One of the dead has been confirmed as a child. Several others were injured, one person critical, one serious and one minor. Now this was the deadliest single crash anywhere in New Zealand since 2019 and one of the worst for decades in the South Island. And adding to the sadness was the news that many members of one family had died in one of the vehicles and they were already grieving, having just attended a funeral. Now on the day, some people also objected to the New Zealand Herald's website publishing photos under the headline... Images reveal true horror of smash that killed seven, along with a video of the wreckage which had the words absolute carnage right at the front, though that was a quote from police officers at the scene in comments that ran in many news bulletins. The Herald did warn viewers that images may be disturbing, but there was no question that that story and those scenes would be leading the 6pm news that night on television as well. One of the country's worst car crashes. Seven people are killed and three others injured after a van collides with a truck near Picton. We'll be live from the scene. There was helicopter footage of the crash scene in that News Hub at 6 report and some grainy long lens stuff shot during the day from behind cordons, after which reporter Juliet Speedy appeared live in the dark with the wreckage lit up behind her as a dramatic backdrop. Well, Tom, what you're looking at now is the wreckage of that van you just heard about there in my story. And quite frankly, it is a miracle anyone survived. What was a van is now a crumpled heap of metal. The police have just escorted us in past the cordon. But while the officials in charge were saying nothing about the possible cause of the crash, neighbours speaking to News Hub readily offered their opinions like this. My cause of it was just speed. If a ferry's late, it's actually worse. Whether speed was a factor is yet to be determined. Nearby residents also told reporters that accidents had been happening for years on this road and News Hub's Juliet Speedy channelled their concerns in her live cross from the scene like this. They say there needs to be a reduction in the speed limit on parts of this road because of the sheer amount of traffic and also the speed that people go getting to and from the ferry. They say there needs to be big signs. This is a high crash area and they say please let this be a wake-up call and you'd have to ask yourself if seven dead on a stretch of road where many others have died isn't a wake-up up call then what is. But while Juliet Speedy answered a question with a question there, the question being asked on Monday morning news shows was, what must happen to stop this happening again? On Monday morning, Marlborough's Mayor John Leggett told Today FM we should all wait and see what an investigation into Sunday's crash actually reveals. But look, we leave it to the experts to look at the uh, circumstances around the crash and as to whether there can be any safety improvements made. Uh, the fullness of time will bring that out. I think now's the time to just to reflect on the tragic loss of life and the people that are left and, uh, and really sending our thoughts and condolences to them. It turned out that in the last decade there have been five other deaths and 21 serious injuries on State Highway 1 between Picton and Blenheim. Not good, but far from the deadliest stretch of road in the country by any means. Meanwhile, his deputy Nadine Taylor on the AM show urged people not to jump to conclusions based on previous fatalities. But what I've learned um, in council is that you need to wait for the reports to come out. Each accident is quite unique and it has some unique factors that contribute to it. Uh, The the fatality uh, two years ago... 
uh, the truck driver was prosecuted for dangerous driving and, and he was under the influence of drugs at that time. The, the one that I attended uh, a few months back was a single car accident. It was a young man and, and speed was involved. It, it was a completely different factor. And we don't know what the factors are in this one. Um, so we'll need to wait for the report to come out to see if there's any commonalities. But elsewhere on talk radio, hosts and guests were not inclined to wait for the facts. Mike Hosking turned to a prominent professional driver for answers. As hard as it is to say, sometimes tragedy happens and all the laws and advice and ad campaigns in the world won't stop them. Is that fair? I think that's very fair. Um, you know, there's, there's situations and scenarios you think about uh, what happened yesterday. Um, we're not sure. We don't exactly know what happened. Now, Greg Murphy claimed that fate put those two vehicles on a collision course last Sunday, but he said bad roads and bad drivers remain a main problem. But he also told Newstalk ZB that those charged with making our roads safer had tunnel vision. Oh, and they're sticking to just spending millions of taxpayers' money on, on horrible advertising campaigns that are not going to make one iota of difference. It's because advertising is a lot easier, isn't it? And Mike Hosking wasn't the only one on News Talk ZB endorsing Greg Murphy's dismissal of road safety advertising. Those stupid road safety ads I've been pouring money into. Do you think any of them have arrived at the office today after that absolutely horrific road smash on State Highway 1 yesterday and sent around an email saying, hey, let's get together later today and think about how we can do this better. The ads might not be hitting the mark. No, that won't be happening today. That was News Talk ZB's Canterbury Mornings host, John MacDonald, sheeting home the blame to Waka Kotahi and its advertising, while the Wellington Morning ZB host, Nick Mills, had the same target in his sights. All we've been hearing about in the last 12 months is Waka Kotahi's Road to Zero campaign and their very expensive ad campaigns. Surely we need our road transport agency to look after the roads throughout New Zealand. Caller after caller phoned into an increasingly emotional Nick Mills with their own accident anecdotes and complaints about substandard stretches of roads, and some got in touch to tell Nick Mills he wasn't helping. Hi Nick, you're speculating a lot about this accident and to be honest, being quite disrespectful about it all. Poor radio, says David. Actually, David, I don't believe that I am being disrespectful at all. I'm very, very upset about this. And jarringly, in between the talkback was some of the road safety advertising made by News Talk ZB for Waka Kotahi that Nick Mills was condemning as a waste of money. Let's check in with Waka Kotahi, the transport agency now. Mark Owen is with us. Morning, Mark. Of course, another long weekend this weekend. Matsuriki, some safety advice, I'm sure, for road users travelling this weekend. Yes, good morning, Adam. With lots of people heading away for the long weekend, ensuring Kiwis get to where they're going safely and return home again is our top priority. But for more than a quarter of a century, Waka Kotahi and its forerunner, the NZTA, has been running extensive ad campaigns. What convinced the radio host that these were ineffective and merely soaking up money that could be spent on barriers, road widening and passing lanes? Well, they didn't say. And could it actually be that the road toll, which is stubbornly sitting around 325 a year now for years, could be worse without regular reminders in the media of the consequences of speeding and bad driving? That wasn't a possibility the host considered when reacting to the anger and sadness of a seven people dying in one crash last Sunday morning. 
Five years ago, Stuff looked at this question and concluded it was probably money well spent because road deaths in New Zealand have been trending down since a spike of 795 back in 1987. There have been many more cars on the road and many more trips being made today as well. Back in 1995, a ramped-up campaign of speeding and drink-driving enforcement was launched, backed up by the first campaign of graphic TV advertising, and those were still a novelty at that time, but whose cost and effectiveness back then were also questioned. A study by Melbourne's RMIT and Lincoln University here analysed the campaign and concluded that it did reduce casualties from crashes in the two years that followed. What they called fear-based advertising, targeting unsafe driving, had reduced fatal accident rates among female drivers under 34, they said, as well as male drivers aged 35 to 54, though their youngest male drivers had not been influenced, they concluded. And 20 years on, it's those drivers who would be now in that bracket that might be. On Tuesday morning, RNZ News was leading with news that Waka Kotahi was falling short of highway safety targets for reasons other than simply spending some money on adverts. A unit within Waka Kotahi that includes its transport network safety team has been rated so ineffective it's being pulled apart. The plan is outlined in an internal report obtained by RNZ and comes four years after the agency was slammed for its mass regulatory failings. And RNZ's Phil Pennington wasn't just reaching for reckons out of the air prompted by that tragedy in the headlines. He'd been on the case for months, speaking to sources and using the Official Information Act to secure previously unknown but highly revealing reports. He says we don't have a risk-based and intelligence-led prioritised work programme. Well, if you try and pass what that means, risk-based, intelligence-led prioritised work programme regards road safety, you start scratching your head, well, what are you putting in place to keep the road safe if you don't even have that? And Phil Pennington also got some hard data about just how short Waka Kotahi had fallen in physical road changes. For example, just one-fifth of the median barriers due to be put in place by 2024 have been done to date. And that stretch of road where Sunday's crash happened, it turns out, wasn't a priority. There haven't been enough fatalities there. That In that one-and-a-half-k stretch where this terrible accident happened, there had been one fatality in the last 10 years. And in the whole 26 kilometres, five fatalities. Now, better roads overall over the years is one reason that the road toll has fallen over the past 20 years. And new legislation, education and safer cars are all factors as well, and so too is enforcement. And on Wednesday, RNZ News had more on that. Police caught 5,000 drivers breaking restricted licence rules by carrying passengers last year. But figures released under the Official Information Act show police issued just 10 written warnings, far fewer than the hundreds issued in previous years. And this too was the result of more painstaking work over months by RNZ's Phil Pennington, sparked by earlier fatalities on the roads that had also led the media to raise their question, what must be done to prevent these preventable deaths? RNZ sought the figures from police after crashes that have killed multiple teenagers. Car crashes are a leading cause of death among young people. Almost 42,000 drivers have been caught since 2017, breaking the restricted licence rule against carrying passengers. 18 were prosecuted. You only have to go back to last April for the last big fatal car crash that led the news and sparked nationwide anguish. Four teenagers died when a ute collided with a truck on a straight stretch of road in Invercargill with a 50 kilometre an hour speed limit. Later, the leader of Students Against Drunk Driving, Donna Kavorko, a former police officer, told Morning Report the tolerance for this was part of a wider social question. 
why are we allowing this to happen? You know, why are parents accepting that their children are just breaching and they can't do anything about it or they're turning a blind eye or if they're actually even encouraging them to take their siblings or their mates out to their games or their social events? Um, why are we accepting this as a culture that it's okay? It's like drink driving. We did a lot of work around the, the culture around drink driving and it's less acceptable now. So, the deeper you dig into an issue which periodically explodes in our media in the emotional wake of a major tragedy, the more you find it's more complicated than the instant and emotional reactions of pundits and presenters in the media would have you believe. And certainly a much bigger issue than just the amount of money spent on ads for road safety rather than more safety barriers on the roads.